stop goal! And... It's over! They've done it! Evans has done it! Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Woods Four Quarters, a Harlequins podcast. We sit here on another Sunday evening, two consecutive Sunday evenings in a row now. Very, very different emotions. They're still raw. Last week's raw emotions brought a real giddiness and excitement to the podcast. I'm now here with a sore voice and a heart that is emptying as the minutes go by. I'm joined by my cousin Michael, who is literally been about five minutes home from the <laughs> so let's see how this goes mike yeah. how are you doing well no, i won't lie will i'm actually in quite a good mood um that uh, makes one of us yeah well uh what we now we're quarter past eight sunday night i got through the door at about six minutes past um I, I indulged hey look it's a sunday afternoon all those teachers out there you good hard-working people i haven't got to listen to Salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. You, you dealing with little grr, annoying you, you grafters. You yeah. You're not gonna be at work tomorrow. So yeah, I um I indulged a little bit post game. Um and it was very good fun. Although the result didn't go away. Um I'm do you know what I'm, I'm actually feeling okay about it. Yeah. Um and we'll love to talk about the game. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I am and I'm not. No, I am and I'm not. You're right, but. We'll look. We'll, we'll get into it. But no, I uh, I feel better having taken five away last week at Racing. Disappointed we didn't get a point because we only scored the three. Disappointing and how the second half panned out yeah. and disappointed with a few more things. But we'll um we'll we'll deep dive into that as we go on. But go on how that... to interject, it's gonna be a good podcast. There's yeah, lots will be. there's loads to talk about. I'm coming in it from the flip side. I've just had a week off and I You have been... had a week off. What have, what have you done? How have you how have you occupied your time? I've absolutely hated it. I've done absolutely nothing. It's one of those ones where you cram in a week before Christmas because if you don't use it, then you lose it and no one wants to lose it. You don't get paid for it. So I'm going to cash it in. I'm going to use my time off and I'm going to reset and relax. And I absolutely hate doing that. I work 100 miles an hour. I love moving on to the next. And there was absolutely nothing to do. I did a little bit of podcast prep. Um, I tried to keep myself busy. I tried to go to the gym every single day, but neither of my legs. (laughs) But... (laughs) And my fingers are still strapped up and very much both broken. So I couldn't really do a lot. I couldn't grip anything. So I couldn't do any pull exercises. I couldn't do any leg exercises. So I found myself sat in the sauna most days, which sounds amazing, but I I was going insane. I hated it. I've had a terrible week off. I can't wait to go back to work tomorrow. For for those that haven't met Will, and I'm going to pump up your tires a bit here, mate. Thanks, man. You, I need you, you, well, you, you, have a, you have a work ethic like very few people I've ever met. And I did text you at the start of last week and you said, oh, mate, I've got the whole week off. I said, like, this is brilliant. You sleep until two o'clock every day, breakfast at three o'clock in the afternoon, maybe go to the pub in the evening. Sounds amazing. And you're like, yeah, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do because like you said, it's one of those weeks where if you don't use it, you lose it. But I haven't sort of booked to do anything. I'm just going to sort of put my I... feet up and relax. And you spent... Most of the week, sending me photos of you sat on the sofa watching various highlights of to try and rev yourself up for, for Sunday what, afternoon. That, that 21 season was a good watch back. <laughs> oh, God, it was a good watch. <laughs> Every single game in full. And, um, no ga- and no game for the Ams either? No, no games. We finished last week was our last game before Christmas. And 
I'm quite pleased about it because it means I can try and recover for the next yeah. couple of weeks now. Our first game back actually clashes with Cardiff away. So I won't be there for that either, but I'm in theory ruled out for it. But I feel like fingers recover quite quickly and with a bit of strapping, we'll be fine. So we'll, well see. Uh, I also didn't have any hockey this weekend. So I um I sort really of double- wanted a Saturday game. It would have been nice to play on Saturday this week. Well, I I John, I didn't miss it too much because it's nice to have a week off, but I actually did indulge in a bit more code. I went to watch El Bushico. It was Teddington yeah. against Twickenham. What was the score? Well, Teddington ran away with it in the second half. I think it was something like 60-odd to 20-odd. I sort of lost track of it. But it, I, th- I think, and I'm someone's going to listen to this and tell me I'm wrong, I think it was Surrey, it was Combined Counties Division 2 or Division 1, so it's like Sussex, Middlesex and Surrey. Um, but Teddington ran away with it, and it was good fun. £2 pints, bar was revving oh, up. And then I actually, we need, we need to make a, a very quick point of this, because if we don't, we'll be remiss in one of our dear friends. I actually left at a about half past six ish, and I made sure that I was sat comfortably in front of the telly watching Cardiff and Bath on Saturday night for our good pal and our co-host for the live podcast in Cardiff. I listened to him on his TNT Sports debut for Cardiff Bath in the Champions Cup with uh, Shanks and David Flatman, and I just thought he was. Absolutely outstanding. The, the man's got col- the man's got code knowledge like no one else I've ever met. The enthusiasm for the sport is just unparalleled, and it it brings a smile to your face when you're listening to him. And he was also doing Stoop Love this afternoon. I think he was up commentating on Japanese rugby. Well, five as well. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Just about to say thank you for complimenting me on my work ethic. But well, whilst yeah. I was sound asleep this morning, Dave Rogers was up at five a.m. commentating on the Japanese league. So he, yeah, he absolutely killed it this weekend. Good he on did. him. He Hopefully did. He first of many, many TNT gigs. Whether I it's hope so. The Champions Cup, the Challenge Cup, or the league, he fully deserves it. He's awesome. And He's uh, what a boy. There's and a couple of highlights going around on social media from the games, as they always do, and it's just nice to hear him commentating over the top of it. Such enthusiasm and such knowledge. Amazing. And, um, and he was in pretty good company with Flats and Shanks as well. Yeah, it was awesome. Just amazing to hear it's him. Trio, that, isn't it? And also, it was, a, it was a bloody good game. And half the reason I was watching it, A, to listen to Dave, but also to have a little well, yeah. look at the two sides we're going to play coming up in the next couple of weeks. And Cardiff yeah. had, I mean, Cardiff, they, they came to play. Obviously, we, we know about Bath this year from the Premiership and we sort of know what we're going to come up against next weekend at the Rec. And um, obviously, they're in our European group without obviously playing them. So it was good to actually watch two sides that we, you know, have, you know, coming up in the yeah. in the immediate future. And it, it was great. I thought I thought Bath were not at their best, but had moments of brilliance. And Cardiff stayed right. They really stuck the course, Cardiff, and then just didn't have the quality right in the sort of last five minutes to get themselves a result. But it was a really good watch, actually, on Friday night. I enjoyed it. Saturday night, sorry. Yeah. Vested interest in both of those sides, isn't there? Yeah. Um, I don't buy into the whole writing off the Welsh sides. When you look at the breadth of teams across the European Cup in both Challenge Cup and Champions Cup, it's normally the Welsh sides that get written off a bit and they do tend to take the most defeats, but they're never easy. You only yeah. have to go back as far as, was it last season or the season before where we played Cardiff away? Must have been the season before in lockdown because yeah. I don't think there's any fans there. We were in that awful green kind of army kit, the big game kit. Yeah. the it took, sort of like the, the, took a Marcus the... Smith penalty or something at the end, didn't it, yeah. to win it for us or a conversion to win it. Never an easy place to go. In fact, that's that's a great venue for us to be doing our first ever live show. I'm looking forward to that. It'll be yeah. a great crowd. The Cardiff fans will be good crack. We'll have lots of fun. We'll be doing it with Dave, who's got great knowledge of both Cardiff and Quinns. 
Yeah. And, and everything and, and everything in between. Right across the road. Yeah, it's not far. Cardiff's a great little city centre, so it'll all be packed in. I've actually not been to Cardiff since the 2004 League One playoff final when yeah. Brighton beat Bristol City with an 81st minute penalty for Leon Knight and my dad cried in the car the whole way home because we'd just been uh, promoted to the championship. Um, I can one-up you. I go on then. One- the last time I went to the Cardiff Arms Park was in 2011 when Quinns won the Challenge Cup final against Stadford. Yeah, that's good. Gonzalo that's Camacho good. with a try in the corner, then Nick Evans slots it bang through the middle. Yeah, that's that was my good. last visit to the Cardiff Arms Park. Well, I, that wasn't even at Cardiff Arms. I was I was over the road at what is now the Principality, but in old money was the Millennium. So I've not been back since. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Not a lot. I think I've been actually. No, I've never been to Principality. Never been there. I'd like to do a six seconds game. It's on your on your bucket list. It's a good, yeah, good place to go. It is. It's not high on my bucket list, but it is on the bucket list. I'd quite like to go to Murrayfield. Um, mm-hmm. That's on the on the cards this year, though, isn't it? Murrayfield away. Possibly. Possibly. See what happens with work. Should we talk about uh, Should we talk about some Queens? And I'll, I've also got to do a couple of shout outs later on in the episode, but we'll, uh, we'll we'll dread we'll dread through that. Hold your horses, though. I'm leading this week, and there is lots of news from this week that we need to catch New up. News. First. Yeah, I've got a whole list on my phone. So the first one is the club have released their first ever supporters' pride jersey, and we were very lucky to get one of those each oh, today. Hold, hold it in my hands game. here for those that can hear the rustling on the uh, on the mic. I can't hear any rustling because you're not holding it near the mic. But Mike, <laughs> it's actually a brilliant shirt, isn't it? Yeah, it's wicked. It's quite it tricky, is. isn't it? Obviously, the pride colours are so multicoloured. How do you turn that into a jersey and make it look good? But they've made it look awesome. It's a really, really nice shirt. It's really smart. It carries huge value to it, not just in terms of design, but also what it means for this fan group, what it means for this club, and what it means for inclusivity within the sport. So... We've said it on social media already this week. It's a brilliant jersey. It represents our fans perfectly. We hope it can do a lot of good for the club and we hope it can do a lot of good for supporters that don't necessarily feel comfortable coming to rugby games. You are represented. You are included. You are a Harlequin. And I'm so pleased that we've finally been able to to get this out in the world. And fingers crossed, in the near future, we'll see the boys wearing that on the pitch. And did you see how big the tarpaulin... I assume it was our Paul in replica of the shirt was pre kickoff. It's absolutely enormous the size of the shirt, no. but it looked amazing. But pre kick, what like laid out on the pitch, like yeah. they do flags. Well, I think you might come in a bit late, but pre kickoff they had the full shirt in twenty by your thirty odd meters, yeah. sort of laid out. It looked yeah. awesome. Yeah, it looked amazing. I was in the ground about an hour early, stood pitch side for the full hour watching the boys warm up, and I completely missed that. What game are you watching, mate? It, it, it looked amazing. It looked awesome. So, yeah, the, I mean, massive well done for the club. I mean, just the level that the, the club go to to do what other clubs don't and sort of go that level beyond is is just remarkable. Um, and we're cool, very isn't it? to be part of it. It's so it cool. cool. It's so cool. We've, and it's um, part of being done, Harlequin. Yeah, we've done it quite a lot recently. We've we've really bigged up the club off the field in terms of the match day experience. It feels like it's really, really good this year. The work they're doing off the field with the inclusivity is, again, head and shoulders above anyone else in the sport but then equally the experiences we've had with them personally from a podcast to club level it feels like we've never been closer to the club and we really are truly grateful for it and we're so excited to be bringing a live podcast in January it just feels like everything's really ticking at the moment and the boys are playing some really good rugby we are a little bit hit and miss at times we took a bit of a heavy defeat to Saracens we've taken a big big defeat to Toulouse as well 
two sides that aren't to be sniffed at. And aside from that, we've looked bloody good on the pitch. So it feels like things are really starting to cook both on and off the field. And it's exciting to see where we'll be come May, June time. So that's the first update from this week. Second update, <laughs> two updates, really. Max Green contract renewal. So Max Green, who came in on a short-term contract as substitute cover for the scrum half shirt. I imagine that was at the start of the season whilst Danny was still away at the World Cup. Will Porter was a new signing. and We only had two scrum halves, Porter and Jeltimer. So I think Max Green came in to be the third scrum half for that first handful of games. Anyway, he's impressed. He looked really good and he's been rewarded with a new contract. Not long after that. Yeah. In fact, it was Wednesday that was announced. Saturday, London Scottish versus Hartbury sees Lewis Jaltimer start and score a first half hat trick. Yeah. So has that lit a fire under his belly all of a sudden that he may be third or fourth choice scrum half, goes out, rips it up and scores a hat trick for Scottish. That's class, isn't it? We love that. Yeah, it was, I mean, the Scottish thing's been a bit of a, uh, a talking point. And we're, you know what, we were texting during various points of Saturday following the score and we saw there were two or three tries in the clear and little Lewis Shea with a, a first half hattie and then came out on the wrong side, which is a bit disappointing. It's, it's incredibly disappointing. Let's not underplay it. There were <laughs> 31-7 leaders at half time, and they went on to lose. 33 31 yeah, That's a lot, isn't it? Um, hugely disappointing when you build a first half lead like that. But something's going to click there. I'm telling you, there's so many Quins involved now. It was an all Quins front row, I think. Jordan Ells, Jack Musk and Will Hobson. You've obviously got Jaltimer at scrum half. There's, there's Quins all over that squad, whether it be in the starting 15 or on the bench. Something's going to click soon. You can feel it. That win over Reeling the other week, the first half performance this week. I don't know what it is. I don't have the answer. And to be honest, I don't think anyone does. Otherwise, we'd be winning by now. <laughs> but it just feels like it doesn't even need to be a big thing. Something might change. It might be that, I don't know when Scottish train. It's obviously not every day like Quinn's. But if they're training twice a week, if one of those sessions is integrated with Quinn's and it becomes a bit of a live session where they compete against each other, even that might be the difference. All of a sudden there's a spark. Who knows? It might be something really simple and really actionable that comes comes into fruition and they start winning games of rugby. But it's just not quite there yet, is it? The Championship's a rough league and they almost went down last year. So any yeah. improvement on that and finishing mid-table is going to be you know, looked at as a pretty good season. But yeah, you know, we, we also picked up a few injuries tonight against Toulouse. Oh. So you know, there's, there's chances for people to... To get themselves in the mix and and maybe get maybe get a call up. It's a really good point, actually. I think that the main purpose of the Scottish partnership is that boys are ready when they're called upon. Hundred percent. Yeah, we did pick up a lot of injuries, unfortunately. So let's hope they're ready. Um, before we move on to Toulouse, there are a few other bits of housekeeping from this week. Mm. For anyone living in South West London looking for your next move, Will Evans has posted on. Spare <laughs> I can't believe this. When I first saw it, I had to. This take. is so ridiculous. But there is a there is a page on Facebook called Spare Room or uh, Mates Place, whatever it is. But if you have a flat in London and you're looking to rent out a room, or if you're on the other side looking to find a room in London, then this is where you go to post and try and find your room or to sell your room. I hope anyway, we're not going to inundate Will Evans with requests. I, well, I have the same thought. This might help him, it might hinder him, but there's only one way to find out. Anyway, I was shocked to be scrolling down my Facebook feed and see Will Evans is looking to fill one of the rooms in his house <laughs> at the moment. So if anybody's listening to this and looking to move in with a Harlequins <laughs> player, 
Well, <laughs> Jaman, just go check it out. I don't, I don't think this is the place to be advertising it. He might absolutely hate <laughs> it. It might help him. He's advertising it on Facebook in a public oh, group. I know, so. I know. Sorry, um, sorry, Webb, if it's not up your street. Try not to be too nausy if you do end up moving in with yeah. him. And have a few minutes to himself and don't chew his ear off about his performances. But yeah, that are you was, not? Are you not looking for platinum the then? You're not looking for a move out of Wandsworth. I'm very settled in at the minute, which is a shame because I think I'd love to live with Webb. <laughs> but I fear I also might be that fan that it's just a bit much for him to handle. Who knows? Well, you could and- do loads of chat about who's going better in the championship at the minute, the, the, the Horns or the uh, the Canaries. <sighs> Watford, Watford Norwich, the Clash of the Titans. It's rarely us. I don't think I want to entertain that conversation. And for that reason, I'm out. Um, <laughs> we'll move on from that. Sorry, Will Evans, if we have hindered you there, but hopefully you'll find somebody. Moving on, Joe Marler custom sneakers. Have you seen those? They look. I mean, I you know what. I'm not a big sneaker head, but, cool. but they are. I mean, look. I mean, trainers. Cool. Trainers to me, they sort of come and they go. I've got, I've got, I've got about four things that aren't work clothes. Yeah, but I you know. I saw them. I thought only Joe Marler would be getting some sort of custom pair of big sort of high top Nike Air Forces. They did look He's... pretty cool. You say that, mate. We're doing Secret Santa at the moment, aren't we? So who knows? Are you, are you, are you dishing out a couple of hundred quid for my Secret Santa? Not, not quite. I, have, you got, have you got my size, ten and a half? I did inquire about how much it would cost and what the turnaround time is, and it is slightly out of budget, and there isn't enough time. <laughs> but they are very cool, and one day when I've got enough money, they are definitely something I would look at probably getting. Would I you wear them, or would you just stick them on your shelf th- and look at them? I think I probably would get a pair. You know, one day once I've got enough money. I think that would be a really cool thing to own because they've been done really well. They're really clean. It's an all-white pair of Nike Air Force Ones, but what they've done to the Nike swoosh is they've they've decorated it in the Quinn's Diamonds. It's a guy called Nick Robinson, and his Instagram account is GB Wearable Art. So if you want to check him out, go check him out. I think they're seriously cool. It's personalised. It's got Jose on the left sneaker. Obviously, a reference to, to Joe being nicknamed Jose in regard to the Juve chat. It's got Juve on the back of one of the other sneakers as well. And it's got Marla spelled M-A-L-A, which again is another kind of European reference to Joe Marla. I think I'm not part of the Quinn's banter, but that is my read on it. Are you not, in the, WhatsApp, are you not in the WhatsApp group yet? Not Steph, yet. Steph not added you. No, we'll see how Cardiff away goes. <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll work on it. But yeah, they're cool. If you haven't seen them, head over to Joe Marla's Instagram. He's very pleased with them. He had a similar pair in the World Cup, do you remember? Again, I yeah, think I they were remember. Air Force Ones with the rose uh, painted yeah. on the outside. Very cool. He's probably got quite a, quite a class selection now. And do you remember when he used to do those Adidas tracksuits? It used His to be like... It be ridiculous. It was like, rock, it was like the NBA guys that rock up in their most yeah, outrageous yeah. suits and general sort of outfit choices. And he's he sort of took that on board for... The season, June. It's almost the year we won it. It was turning up to the final in like a bright pink tracksuit and things like that. But yeah. look, yeah, Joe Mark, Joe Mark can pretty much do what the, do whatever whatever the guy wants. Yeah, agreed. It's his world. We just live in it. <laughs> Last bit of news from the week before we move on to the rugby is a heavy bit of news, a sad bit of news that Luke Wallace, Harlequins legend, hundreds of caps for the club. His second stint at the club, he is leaving at the end of this month. At the end of December, his contract will conclude. It's not being renewed. I think it's fair to say that both on and off the field, he is an absolute legend of the club. He's selfless. He's hardworking. The work he does off the field with the foundation, 
he is going to be sorely, sorely missed. And not only that, his performances on the pitch, he would never let you down. He would work hard. He would tackle hard. He'd jackal. You knew exactly what you were getting with him. He's a cool guy, Luke Wallace. He'll be sorely missed around the club. He's got 100... Well, in his first stint for Harlequins from 2009 to 2019, racked up 170 appearances, 169 to be exact. And then since 2021, he's got another 26. So he's pushing sort of you know, not not far off 200 appearances for the club, which is is a pretty cool thing to say. And as you say, he's always involved with the the rival ride that any of you do. That's the away games. The Quinns Foundation do a big cycle ride every year to one of the away games. I'm not sure actually which one it is this year, but in the last couple of years, it's been to Leicester, as, as memory serves me. But, you know, he, he also had that stint last year, the year before, where Webb was injured and Kenners was playing at six, where we wanted that that breakdown threat and he's a big jump he jumps in the line at Luke Wallace I have memories of when we had Wilco Lowe Luke Wallace would jump at the front of the line out and Wilco Lowe would single man lift him and just throw the bloke 10 feet in the air it was a, a brilliant sermon to the club but sort of I- iconic for his long hair we had a little thing going with him last year where we, when he came back with a bucket hat and the long hair we had the, the Shawn Michaels heartbreak kid HBK the heartbreak HBK. kid he is the heartbreak <laughs> kid but he did actually put out a um a person on Instagram that said, look, he, he wants to continue his rugby journey. And yeah, I saw that. He, you know, he's also looking at a life beyond rugby, but whatever it is, wherever he may be, he's got a home at the stoop. Yeah, he's not done yet, is he? I reckon he's got one more club in him, whether that is a local one through the likes of Ealing, where I think he'd fit in quite well. Yeah, maybe. Or I even think, having just spent a bit of the summer in Miami, there's a new Miami Major League Rugby franchise coming into the floor. So, Maybe that's a good opportunity for him as well. By the beach, get his surfboard out. He'd fit right in there. Maybe he gets out to Japan and then heads up to the mountains in the winter and down onto the, the bay in the I, summer. I reckon he's definitely a snowboarder as well. Yeah, 100%. I reckon he definitely 100%. is. Kind of extreme sports, isn't he? Yeah. He's a bit balanced. <laughs> like, like surfing, snowboarding or jackaling. Yeah. There is three balanced things that keep him going. That's what keeps him happy in life, Luke Wallace. But anyway, we wish him all the best for the future. He's been amazing for our club, and he's the kind of person that we hope we get many, many more Luke Wallaces through our system over the years to come. So we wish him all the best. Should we talk about Toulouse? Should we start with selection? Yeah, let's do it. Because we almost went cut and paste of Rassing away this week. Were the boys a little tired? We had the extra travel day. We had a big win to celebrate. We had 80 minutes of just ridiculous intensity. Hindsight is a beautiful thing. Would you have rotated much or were you quite happy with what we had? No, we said at the time, didn't we? We said, look, when you when you get a big win away at Racing like we had done last weekend, you have to then double down and back it up against back one of the best sides up. in Europe at home. Yeah, 100%. So there, there were one or two changes, obviously. Um, James Chisholm coming into the back row instead of Chandler Cunningham South. I wasn't surprised to see the fact that Dylan Lewis was moved to the bench. Obviously, it was amazing <laughs> to see Will Collier back after his 18-minute performance down at Ladder Fonts the week before. And then Jack Walker started... I wonder whether Sam Riley was on a scheduled rest week this week because we've heard, you know, it happened with Marler and Launchbury at points Maybe previous to the season. So I wonder whether he was part of that sort of protocol coming into this weekend. 
Um, Nathan Jabulu on the bench, Finn Baxter, Dylan Lewis, Ernie Hurst, Cunningham South, and then Kerr, Evans, and Beard. So, no, I, I mean, it was, you know, Chisholm was the one that surprised me a little bit. I wonder whether they might have just, you know, backed up and gone with gone with Chandler Cunningham South again. But, you know, Caden Murley also passed his HIA, we have to assume, after the game because he then didn't go through any of the sort of delayed concussion protocols. So he was fit to go again on the on the wing, which was great. But no, for, in, in terms of just general selection, I think we, we got it as about as, about as well as we could because we said, you know, were we going to not rest and rotate? I think that's the, the wrong way of saying it, but were we going to try and, you know, find a different balance and, and pick guys that had had lots of rugby and needed needed some game time and all that other stuff that goes with it. But we said last week on the podcast after the wrestling game that if we're going to you know go anywhere in this competition, we need to double down and go again. And and, and we did that as, as as close as we could, I think. We looked at a couple of head-to-heads last week. The most poignant one was at nine, Porter mm. versus Dupont. I thought Will Porter went pretty well. I mean, it was it was quite surreal actually because I've never watched Anton Dupont in the flesh, and he's been, you know, probably the you know arguably the standout player in in world rugby over the last two or three years. He's that guy, isn't he? He's uh, won just, world player of the year the last two years running, I think. Yeah, and I was. In the south, uh, the back of the south stand, sort of behind having a a pregame beer, and I was actually watching on my phone um, the first half of Arsenal Brighton. We end up losing two 0 which is a little bit of a shame. But I didn't realise that if you're there early enough, the often the away team will then walk through that part of the south stand and head into the changing rooms, sort of down on the in the Charles Stanley stand. But just watching him walk through with you know Thomas Ramos behind him and. And then you see guys like Richie Arnold walk through. They're just massive blokes. But seeing Antoine Dupont sort of up close and personal in the flesh was quite cool. And I thought, oh, that'd be quite a cool sort of little photo opportunity. But I thought, I better not. They've all got the headphones in. And my French isn't that great to go and say, oh, pardon, monsieur, je voudrais in photos, see you play, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I did actually get a selfie with Drem Kano, who was there, um, one of the guys on the coaching staff, you know, all black legends. So I did I did take up that opportunity for a quick photo with Drem Kano, which is quite cool. You shouldn't be stroking their egos like that before a game, really. Mm, well, I know, but they are. They are. They are. You'd be outside you their hotel last night, letting off fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. Uh, you have to. You, you are in all of those guys, though, because you watch them on TV, and we're lucky to see, you know, some of the stars of of the English and English system in the Premiership every week. But then you do see the likes of Dupont and Ramos, and you think well, that's quite cool. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and we've been looking forward to this match day for a long time, ever since we found out that it was announced that Toulouse were going to be coming to the stoop. Not only is it amazing to have superstars playing at our home ground and to be able to watch them in the flesh, that's really cool. Yeah. But then also, just as a marker, let's see where we're at. And 100%, that's yeah. It's that we went with a, a relatively full-strength side backing up last week because we do want to know where we are, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's such a tricky, complex league where everybody beats everybody. You're never quite sure where you are. We currently sit third in the league. We're playing Bath next. All of a sudden, we could end up sixth or seventh, or we could end up second. You just don't really know how good you are. Mm. You've just got to keep backing it up. So this was a great market to see where we really are. Last week was also a great market to see where we really are. And against <laughs> also against two of the titans of European rugby, we still don't know where we are, do we? Well, we beat the top of the English Premiership. We beat the top of the top fourteen. And then we fell short, quite considerably short, to the greatest European side of all time. Yeah. There's no no shame in that. We got two out of three. To complete that treble would have been ridiculous. I, I probably needed to be humbled as a fan 
Because if we'd won that one, I think I'd have been in cloud nine, <laughs> even more deluded than I already am as a Harlequins fan. <laughs> However, it, it's it's a good check of where we are. They did beat us well, but we were nowhere near our best. And that's not even an unfair thing to say as a fan. I think all of the lads will be saying in the huddles after the game and in the change rooms after the game and throughout training this week, that was not the best version of ourselves. There was a lot of errors. Nothing seemed to quite click. I don't think Toulouse had to work too hard to score the tries that they scored. I don't think they were dominant. I think they were just clinical. We had a lot of possession, a lot of territory and just weren't quite able to convert. And it seemed like any chance they got, they converted it. So I suppose that's the difference. And that's what that's the difference between good teams and great teams. And we'll get there. Um, but we were excited about this fixture because we knew it was going to reveal a bit to us and, and let us see how we get on in terms of the broader season. And let's talk about the opening passages then. We start pretty brightly. We get a penalty bang in front of the sticks, similar to Racing last week. We opt to go for the corner. I think we're all in agreement. If we're going to play against the top teams, we're going to play against the top teams. Yeah, absolutely right. We're going to play against the top teams. We're not just going to be part of the game and sort of try and nudge and nerd of the scoreboard into a position we might win the game. If we're going to play the top teams, we're going to go out in there and play them. Unfortunately, that was one where we weren't able to convert from the line out. A lot of sustained pressure down in their 22, and they're a good side. It's never going to be easy to break through them, but it just never felt like there was a gap that was appearing, really. Even when we shifted it out wide, it felt like they drifted well or they numbered up well, and we just couldn't quite cut through. And for all of our pressure in the opening sort of five to ten minutes, it's just a quick bang, bang, and we're up defending our own line and Toulouse have scored pretty early doors from their first shot and we're 7 nil down. Yeah, it's annoying because it, James Chisholm almost turns the ball over and the ball just spills out the side of the breakdown and Dupont puts a boot on it, somehow regathers it, and then it goes, I mean, Andre sort of throws him on the deck, but then the ball comes out to the right-hand side and it's a little bit annoying because it was the well, the yellow card slash red card that we'll talk about in a minute. But it was Aki who sort of finds the ball, throws a big dummy and beats the defender. And then Baresi next to him just sort of walks in unopposed. And you just think it's a bit... It's hard to swallow because we'd been really competitive in the first seven or eight minutes. And it felt like a try a little bit out of nothing. We just didn't quite scramble defensively well enough. But it wasn't some big sustained spell of pressure it just felt like the ball fell to them slightly and they all to, you know they are to lose they are what they are they capitalized when they had their chances see that's what happens against the top teams though isn't it it happened against saracens it happened last week away at rassing where we had all that sustained pressure and then a quick breakaway and we're seven nil down but we responded well we did responded really well andre Esterhazen smashing up thomas ramos very very similar just working his way through the france backline isn't he? he did the same thing last week against gail Ficou. Andre barrels his way over and we're in the game. Andre's just making mincemeat out of the French... I don't want to use the word defence because there weren't any, but <laughs> just like, well, just went went through Fiku last week and then just makes mincemeat of Ramos. And at that point, you're thinking 7 all. But I was disappointed not to see that tried again. Maybe we, maybe they were too good not to let us do that again. I think that's what it is. I don't. I think they sort of worked out that we're not going to defend this guy one on one, especially with Ramos, who's not. I mean, he's an unbelievable player, but I think they sort of looked at it and go, "We're not going to leave him one on one with Andre running down the barrel at him. We're probably going to double up with a couple of back rows either side of him and make sure that then we're not going." Then you think their twelve goes to the bin 
and there should be more space for Andre to do that. And let's talk about the 12 going to the bin because he was playing pretty well. He, and... I mean, he, he had one moment where he made Nick Davis' ankles just yeah. completely fold in half, but he shouldn't have been back on. What do you think about the yellow card then? It's a straight red card. He's the second tackler. He's got plenty of time to adjust. He goes in and you see him rising up into the contact, head on head. That's the thing for me. You can hear it on commentary afterwards. We don't benefit from the commentary during the game. And the and replays are quite tricky. It's, it's one of the but, things that I actually was really keen on, keen on hearing during yeah. the time is that one thing you do miss in the ground is you miss the referee's description of it. And I wasn't... 100%. I, yeah. But, so the referee's description was that it was mitigated down to a yellow from a red card because the player was, it was a negative tackle. The player was moving backwards, which is completely false. Their 12 was rising into the tackle. He was driving upwards, which is where the head-on-head contact comes from. And it leaves Dino in an awful, awful position on the ground, down receiving treatment for 10 to 15 minutes. Still don't know if he's okay or not. It looked horrendous. And the amount of time they took, hopefully is just precautionary, but that is the sole reason for these red cards coming into the game is to protect players from injuries like that. And the head on head is the reason. Yeah. And it was a head on head tackle driving upwards as the second tackler, no knees bent. It, it's terrible. It should be red card. And it's, it's, it's interesting talking about the impact that the first tackle has on the second tackler, but you're absolutely right. I think, and we saw it on the screen during the game is that it looks like, Aki is driving up in the tackle. He's not, it doesn't look to me like he's going backwards in the tackle. He's sort of got his feet planted, his, his feet are set square, and he is lifting up in the tackle. And you hear about mitigation with the ball carrier dropping their height. Dino doesn't drop massively for me. In it, it, He doesn't drop in a way that is significant enough to have enough mitigation to then be brought down from a red to a yellow. I don't think he drops his height that much. And it looks like Aki is... is as you say, he's driving upwards in the tackle and it's head on head. And all we ever hear about in in, in these sort of elite forms of rugby, in the premiership, in the in Europe, in international rugby, is when it's head on head, it's it's red card. And I, I couldn't quite... Again, I, and I need to sort of caveat this with the fact that I haven't watched it back with the commentary from the referee explaining it and whether that might change my mind on it. But from what I understand of the laws and what I understand of what I've seen with my own eyes, it looked to me like a a fairly straight and fairly surefire red card. Yeah, and, and that's not where the controversy ended, really. Unfortunately, we weren't able to capitalise on that yellow card period when we were a man up. For some reason, it just felt like they still had 15 on the pitch. There was a moment where the player was coming back onto the field, but the referee had to speak to the fourth official first to was see... Your old man was texting you during this Yeah, I had intel. My dad was watching on TV. Apparently you only have 12 minutes to pass an HIA. Yeah. It's head on head. Their player also had to pass an HIA, but their player took 12 and a half minutes. I think it was 12 minutes, 35 seconds to be exact. So the fourth official just wanted to check with the referee. Okay. He's overrun by 35 seconds here. Just want to check if you're still happy for him to return to the field. The referee said yes. So he returned to the field. Now, I don't know if it's black and white as 12 minutes. If you missed that 12 minute deadline, you're out. It's a player welfare conversation, maybe, or maybe there was some problem with paperwork. I don't know how it works with those kind of things and getting things signed off and approved and information cascaded back to the officials. But okay. it seemed to seem to me that that wasn't very well communicated to the fans on the ground either, because that wasn't a quick conversation and it wasn't a it, quick decision. It was, 
it was a couple of minutes at least, wasn't it? And it was also happening Indeed. at the same time where you know, we had a, a scrum on our on, in our half, and we were all sort of trying to work out what had been gone. I was thinking at, at one point whether they had the okay. the bunker situation where yeah. you could then go and rescind a yellow card and turn it into red, having looked at it deeper. That's what I thought was going on. Whatever happened to that? Because I thought that worked pretty well in the World Cup. It made, yeah. it sped the game up. It helped clarity with decisions. It took a lot of pressure off the refs. I do agree that it almost became a bit lazy of referees just to yellow people and get it reviewed. It's yeah. quite nice to take some authority back. But what was the point in trialing that in the biggest competition in world rugby and then ditching it? Yeah. If you're going to trial that, surely you do that at club level. Bizarre. I don't know what's it's, happening. It's, especially in Europe where you've got you know, the, the biggest teams playing the biggest competition that European rugby has to offer. Why that wouldn't be... Yeah. I don't know. Don't know why it's gone. Don't know why it's gone. Um, but not much else went our way, really, did it? We had big Ernie Herps come on to to fill Dino Lamb's shoes, and he managed to bag a couple of tries. That was good to see. I don't know. Maybe you'll correct me if that was Ernie's first and second try for the club, or whether he scored before. That's a great question. I don't know. But he, he but the, the one he got before half time, and at the point where Ernie scores it, we're we're twenty one. Seven well, down right. in the 38th or 39th minute. And we have the spell of sustained pressure and we've had a big delay, you know, big delay in play, and there's been a break, and there's been a bit going on with people going on HIAs. And you just sort of felt if we can get one before half time and go in one score down, we're not going to be too far off. If we can up the quality and up the intensity of our attacking threat in the second half, coming towards the the Danny Care South stand, if we can we can match that with the levels that we'd showed the two previous weeks against Sale and against Rassin, that we were by no means out of the game. And and Domers tries to crash his way over, ends up coming a little bit upright in the tackle, finds the offload, and only goes over. Annoyingly, though, I ran off, the t- ran off to have a wee, and uh, Marcus has shanked the kick off the outside uh... of the boot. And suddenly we're... It's not it's not huge in terms of the way the game panned out, but you've got to take those points. You know, you've got to. It was it wasn't a tricky kick. Wasn't no, too... I mean it's ten fifteen meters out to the right hand side. Should kick it in his sleep, and we're not bagging Smithy, but those are points you have to take, and we didn't. Not just in the context of Quinns and the result, but also in the context of international selection. You need to be slotting those, and yeah. you look at the likes of Henry Slade, who's not even a sort of maybe this is unfair on Henry Slade. He's not really a recognised kicker, but he's been kicking for extra all season and he's been kicking in and, kick, and kicking well, yeah. Very well, yeah. And that's the difference because all of a sudden I'm looking at Henry Slade thinking as good as Ollie Lawrence has been, as good as Will Joseph's been, as good as Tommy Freeman's been, Henry Slade should 100% be in that conversation about returning to the England 13 shirt, the way he's carried Exeter. So it is little things that add to your game and it is the little kicks that might not feel like a lot that add up to a lot. And that was one of them. So hopefully we see him sort of return to his best off the tee and also out of hand. And it would be nice for him to start against Bath this Saturday, wouldn't it? Yeah. A couple of quick concerns at half time. Caden eventually goes off. Yeah. Probably should have come off sooner. He didn't look right, did he? He needed to come off sooner. Player welfare goes beyond just head injuries. I'm not really sure why he stayed on so long. I mean, it was brave of him to stay on, but yeah. why is a coach in the box not making that call for him? Because he carried that knock for... 10, what, 15, 20 minutes, probably. 10, 15, 20 minutes, a long, yeah. long time. And like through no fault of his own, he was 
less mobile than he typically is. And desperate to stay on the park. And desperate to stay on the park, but just wasn't as effective. And it meant yeah. that they started attacking that wing. Yeah. And they, they got a good couple of opportunities down his side. And it's because he wasn't able to do his job. And, and Joe Marler also going ends up off. costing us some points in the end. And Joe Marler also going off at half time, which is, you know, is it a concern? I don't know. It, it, I, you have to assume that's Joe either carrying some sort of niggle or maybe something that's been aggravated because he was sort of fit and fresh to start. And, you know, he came off after 50 minutes against Racing. He's not playing. And I, 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 I sort of don't know what to think about it because the emergence of how good Finn Baxter has been for us is taking a lot of the pressure off Joe for not having to play those, you know, 50, 60, 70, sometimes 80-minute performances that we we sort of know him for over the last two or three years. But coming off at half-time, there's, a little, bit, there's a, little bit of a, a little bit of a concern going into, you know, the next two or three weeks in the league, which are going to be absolutely enormous for how we're going to pan out this season. You make a good point. I wouldn't have thought much of it, but the fact he's come up at half-time and not at 50 minutes or 60 minutes is quite telling, isn't it? Because yeah. he'd never do that with Joe Marler. So there's definitely something wrong there. Obviously, Dino's one we have no idea about. We imagine it's fairly serious, whether it's head, neck or spine, we do not know. Um, so that's a massive worry because he's been brilliant as well. We hope he recovers quickly, more for his own health than anything else, but hopefully he gets back out on the park sooner than we're all thinking at the moment. Who else got injured? We saw Jeff pick up a knock towards the end. Jeff picked up a knock towards the end, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we need to to go into the second half in intricate detail. It was disappointing that they scored pretty much two minutes into the into the second half and eventually their quality did tell. The, the one try that they scored that meant, went the, the predominant length of the field where we kick into the backfield and Kinghorn manages to gather the ball and then there's an offload and then DuPont and Ramos just put on a bit of a show that go 50-60 metres. It was... That was annoying because that they outquinzed us for that try. They, yeah, yeah, they did. It was a little bit like the try that we scored against Sale, where they got their kick chase wrong and the ball falls in Tyrone Green's hands, and we go Green, Smith, Murley, Joseph, who ends up going underneath, and yeah. they did outquinz us a little bit. And then the second half just sort of panned out. Unfortunately, how how it did. I think the scoreline flatters them a little bit, but but, but, but does it? Class us, they were comfortably yeah. better, but it got to a point where. We just need one try to get a bonus point. So we probably try and play typically the Quinn's way. You don't try and stop the bleeding. You try and fight fire with fire. And playing that style of rugby is always going to come with errors. It's always going to come with gaps. And they're a good side and they're going to capitalise on that. And they did. I don't think I'd have changed the way we played. We could have tightened things up and lost by 10, 14 points less. Maybe had a little bit more pride. But what does that really get us? We wanted to get that fourth try and get that at least one bonus point. We weren't able to get it, and the score ended up looking a little bit uglier than we would like it to, but I wouldn't change a thing, I don't think. I know what you mean, but ultimately they've beaten us by nearly 30 points. They have, but a lot of it is down to us. I don't think we showed the best example of ourselves. There were a lot of errors. The bounce of the ball was going their way. We picked up a lot of injuries, and then we had to play a certain way because we we were one try away from a point, and you can't play at home and not try and get that fourth try, surely. So no, I know, I don't mean yeah. But you, you don't change your game plan and try and stop the bleeding just for pride's sake. You you look at the mathematics on the leaderboard and you play the way that your club's identity represents. I've got I've got a question for you, and this is actually something that I was chatting to um, one of the boys about on the way home. Does the drop off from our best? to what we do see occasionally, and I'm going to 
cite Saracens in this, and I'm going to cite the second half against Toulouse today. We've seen our best against Sale, and we've seen our best against Racing. Does the drop-off from what we are so capable of doing to losing games like today, and we have to remember we're playing one of the best teams in Europe, but does that drop-off concern you? Yeah, big time. Because the, the the one that the one that annoyed me a little bit, and I think this is, we spoke about it at the time. I th- I think this will this will resonate a little bit. When we lost against Saracens, right, we would we just didn't turn up, and we were so far off in every department. You can sort of just go, do you know what? Tonight wasn't for, wasn't our night, and we didn't get it right at all. It almost is less worrying, but the one that really concerned me was the the loss against Northampton, where we almost gave them the the, the we gave them the win. We had three or four massive errors, that, catastrophic errors that gave it, them fifteen it, points. Exactly right. But then we see what we're capable of when we are at our best. When we absolutely battered at present the best team in the league in Sale, and we went toe to toe with one of Europeans giants in Racing. And played some of the most remarkable rugby in one of the most unbelievable games that I've seen in a long time. And then the drop off in the second half of the day, where we weren't we weren't anywhere near. Does it's, that concern you going into games like Bath next weekend? Yeah, um, it doesn't concern me going into games. It concerns me in kind of the bigger picture of the long term season. The inconsistency is vast. Like, it's not as simple as going from a win to a loss. It's going from a big win to a big loss, if that makes sense. No, I, I completely understand what you're saying. You look, yeah. at, you look at Saracens, who so often win, but when they lose, they never get rolled over. Yeah. When they went to, was it the Bulls they played away? It was, yeah. yeah it was Wilco Lowe's Bulls. And yes, they lost, but they didn't get rolled over. They really put up a fight. And you look at Sale, who sent a second string out to Leinster, and my God, they put up a fight. They were leading at half time, and they were unfortunate to to get overpowered in the second half in the end, which was, I think, was expected. And they ended up losing 37-27. They didn't get humiliated. They they had a bit of grit and steel. And we've got a bit of grit and steel, but just from time to time, it leaves us. And that inconsistency isn't as simple as just winning and losing. It is the performance. Yeah. And I think we are probably a victim of our own DNA in that sense, because the way we play means we will always fling it around. doesn't matter what minute of the game and it doesn't matter what the scoreline is. If, for example, we started playing like Sale in the second half, I'm sure it would have been a lot closer, but maybe the result wouldn't change either way. So you stick yeah. to what you play. And I'd, I would much rather play like we play and lose than play like Sale and still lose. I think so, mate. I think so. And I'm not worried about that going into Bath because it's a new game. And I don't think we'll have that performance against Bath. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how it happens. Maybe it's a bit of a psychological thing against the top, top teams. Racing, we just seem to have something really giddy about the boys because it's the indoor yeah. stadium. It's a it's a racetrack. Yeah. Sia Khaleesi. Racetracks are, racetrack's a great way to describe it. It is a it's racetrack, a racetrack track, isn't it? Yeah. It's like big game for us when we go and play Racing because we love that stadium. Yeah. So the boys get something excited about them. And it's the same at big game. We we love that fixture. But when we play against the tough opposition, the Saracens, the Toulouse, Sale being the anomaly, yeah. for some reason, we, we struggle psychologically a little bit, I think. Before we then go and preview the next couple of weeks in the league ahead of a massive clash down at the wreck on Saturday against Bath, we will, of course, do some three-word reviews at Rugby Quinns, Toulouse are good. And I don't think you can argue with that too much, can you? 
At Scott's Ranger, Kathy Churchill, DuPont, Ramos, and Muavaca, battered, bruised, learn. Which I think is not a it's not a terrible way to do it. Dan Gollop, too many mistakes. Joe Pettit, lack of structure. And uh, at Hoss Solim, uh, Hoss Sports Therapy, schooled by experience. Any that are coming up, are coming up on to yeah. you? You want to you uh, kick off? I don't know if I agree with that, actually. Schooled by experience, I'm not completely sold on, but I can see where you know, maybe the... It's the rugby heritage, is, isn't it, with Toulouse? Yeah. The, the European heritage carries you. Yeah, it does help, doesn't it? It does help. Um, Tony Edwards, we were poor. I think that's probably quite fair. We weren't brilliant, um, but we weren't terrible. I think they were just a good side that that proved that. Alex Williams, no magic tonight. Cricketer, 108, totally outplayed. I think maybe we were outplayed, but I don't know if I'm as confident as some of these three-word reviews are in the fact that we we were down and out. Should have been red, sloppy and outplayed. And then Cole v. one, Forza Dino Lamb. I think yeah. that's a good one to end on. Lamb. Come on, Dino. Fingers crossed he's um he's back up and, and firing soon. Italy's Dino Lamb. Fingers crossed he gets back out on the park. But we need to now have a little look towards towards Bath because, as we mentioned earlier, we have picked up some injuries, haven't we? Jev took a knock. Dino, I doubt we're going to see. Caden, I doubt we're going to see. You'll have to sort of wait and see how he goes. Is Joe an injury concern heading into Bath? You know, there's there's some things that are not going to quite fall in our lap in the next couple of weeks. So how are you seeing Bath to start with? How are you also... Let, let's block this together with the two West Country sides. Bath away and then Gloucester at home. What are you expecting? Let's let's look at Bath straight away. What are you hoping for? I'm hoping for a win. Big time. Bath's always tricky. We've done Bath two or three times in the last couple of seasons, haven't we, you and I? And Yeah. It's never easy. I think we've won one, we've lost one. It's always been tight and it's always been a really tricky place to go, particularly under the lights. They're looking as good as they've ever looked, I think. It's probably quite fair. They're looking really good in Europe. They're looking really good in the league. They're sitting pretty in second place. They've got a gun back line. They've got a hardworking pack. They've got a load of South Africans off the bench. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be no. really, really tough. I think it's going to be our toughest game of the season. I think if we can scrape a win... I don't think we'll get four tries. I think it's a tricky place to score four but tries. You know, but you know what? I disagree. I think either either team that's going to go down there is going to score four. I think the way they're playing and the way that we will look to play, I think four tries is is going to happen. It just is is who comes out on top in in, in a battle of the gunslingers. It's who who fires the most shots. See, you're, you're right, but every time we go down there, it's never like that, is it? It's no, that's true. Fight. Actually, that is true. I'm that going on true. history. You're going on sort of current trend and form. yeah. No, I think you I might be right. That's a wrong man, but I mean, I'd like it to be a gunslinger. I think that gives us a real chance. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be Marcus Smith versus Finn Russell. It's going to be Danny Kerr versus Ben Spencer. You've got Alfie Barbary versus Alex Donovan. You've got matchups all over the park. Yeah, if we can win, we're finishing this weekend second, possibly even first. It's huge, isn't it? This week, this weekend it's is so absolutely big. massive. We were saying it a couple of weeks ago. Europe's come at a good time to break up the league, but actually, I just can't take my eyes off this fixture. Yeah, I just can't take my eyes off Queens v Bath. It's it's, it's been so in the important. it's more important. It's been in the periphery, hasn't it? For for even you know before we even got to to that sale fixture, it's been in the in the periphery, sort of going down to Bath away from home and trying to sort of stop their momentum in the league. And if we can go down there and take four, even five, that's going to be such a huge marker with how we're going to get on the rest of the season. 100%. And again, I'm going to sort of come up to 60,000 feet in the air again and look down on everything else. That's going <laughs> on. 
you've got Bath, you've then got Gloucester in big game. And I'm looking at five points at that one. Gloucester yeah. not playing good rugby at the moment. They managed to get a good win over Claremont, but Claremont are a shadow of their former selves. Gloucester are definitely a shadow of their former selves. We always show up at big game. We put on a show and we've got a scintillating back line that will tear up the turf at Twickenham. I'm looking at that one with with real hope. Yeah. Got Newcastle away in the league. Newcastle away is never a fun one, but it is one that often gets good returns. So I'm looking at that one positively as well. You've then got Cardiff away in Europe, which is probably our most favourable fixture of our European draw. So of the next four games, the one to me that is really stressing me out and the one that I think is most important is this weekend up. against Barclays. I completely agree. I completely agree. Because you think, you know, we should... Ordinarily, we always turn up a big game, right? Gloucester are not playing Gloucester rugby at the minute. We should beat Gloucester a big game. I think you're absolutely right. We then got to Newcastle and we think we should beat Newcastle. Let's make no bones about it. And then we have Cardiff away in Europe. I think you're absolutely right. The biggest game we have in the next month is this weekend down in the wreck. Before we have a real detailed look at some matchups, if anyone hasn't got a ticket to Bath and is looking for one, I do currently have a spare and I'm looking to part with it because I bought it a few weeks ago with a couple of mates that one of them now can't come. So if you do fancy it, drop us a DM on Twitter, Instagram, let me know and I'm uh, more than happy to part with it um, for, for obviously the the face value and, uh, and, and market value of it. But there are some big matchups coming up, aren't there? Huge, mate. Absolutely huge. Go on, pick pick out two or three for me because one of the big ones for me is obviously Marcus Smith and Finn Russell. That's going to be the headline for most people. Yeah, but I think I, I think there are some other big ones out there. I think Will Joseph, Ollie Lawrence is going to be blockbusting. Yeah. Oh, test for Will Joseph. Huge. I'm a huge Ollie Lawrence fan. I think he's absolutely class. I think he's a good lad. I think he's England's answer to 13, and I think it's going to be a proper test for Will Joseph. I think it's Ollie Lawrence's shirt to lose. I think if he's going to be able to be moved out of that 13 shirt I think it's because he's being moved into the 12 shirt I agree yeah let's see how Will Joseph goes I actually think he's England's answer at 12 now that Faz is going to take a bit of a break I think he is the answer at 12 and I think that the 13 channel is open I think Manu's looking really good again see how long he can stay fit I know he's still got a few years left in him Manu so hopefully he keeps going for a little bit longer and gives a proper 13 a chance to play 13 and develop alongside him become a world beater. There's a lot of 13s queuing up to play outside yeah, here. So. But if it's not him, I do I do agree with you. It's Oli Lawrence that gets moved into 12. But that's my standout matchup. I think I'd love to see that 13 battle, especially if, as you say, it turns out to be a gunslinger and everyone's having a proper go. Do you know what? I, I'm, I'm obviously going to make the trip. If anyone wants to come and join me, then please feel free. But I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a huge matchup. The Rex a brilliant place to go and watch rugby. You've just got to hope that the weather is kind and doesn't piss down because we are under the non-covered seats, as is most of the ground. Before we wrap up, we must celebrate the life of Russell Hargreaves. Russell was a talk sport commentator and a lifelong Harlequin supporter. For those of you in the ground this week, you would have participated in the minutes applause before the game, which I thought was brilliantly introduced by Mike Bovel, who was clearly a close friend of Russell's. Both myself and Mike want to send all of our love and condolences to his family. A lifelong Quinns fan, hugely respected by his peers and will be sorely, sorely missed in the commentary box. Yeah, here, here. Well, look, we'll leave it there. I hope to see some of you down on the road at Bath next Saturday. If anyone fancies coming and joining me on the journey, then drop us a tweet, drop us a DM on Instagram. And before we do wrap up right at the very end, we want to wish you all a very, very merry, merry Christmas and a very happy new year. It's been a lot of fun. 2023 has been amazingly kind to me and Will. The love and support that we get through the podcast, meeting everyone in the ground, talking to people online, 
we like to think we've got a pretty positive space out there on our social media channels and we have so much fun doing it we've just went past 100,000 downloads as well which two or three years ago seemed like a long way off but it's a lot of fun and we absolutely love it and we absolutely love the club and everything they do have a wonderful Christmas have a very happy new year and we will see you all very very soon come on the Quins come on the Quins come on the Quins